0: I wanna speak tonight on the subject of signs and wonders, and I chose the Shroud of Turin to kind of illustrate uh, because that is a sign and a wonder, and I kinda chose that to kinda talk about what I wanna speak on tonight. I don't know how many of you have ever seen signs and wonders before, but if you do, it'll wreck you, man, it'll change you. Anybody ever seen God do anything that you couldn't explain? All right, that's what I'm talking about. I saw god do something that was totally unexplainable there was no way that it could have happened except god did it that's what i'm talking about in signs and wonders i've had many encounters like that in my life one of the earliest ones that i remember when i was a little boy i was probably about 10 years old when this happened Um, my dad was pastoring a little church in dallas georgia at the time and a little Church of God down there and there was a lot of us kids playing outside as we often did before church and after church and um, so we were out there playing and there was this one family their last name was Wright W-R-I-G-H-T and they had a lot of boys and of course my brother and I love to play with this play with these kids and one of the things we did we never told our parents we were doing this but there was a ladder they had been doing some work on the church and there was a ladder leaning up against the back of the church and we would climb up that ladder and jump off the roof of the church now they had a it wasn't the the pitched roof where the sanctuary was it was a flat roof where the educational wing was and it was probably i don't know 12 feet tall i guess we were jumping off and where they had been doing construction out there they left a big pile of sand and so the big deal was that we would jump off of that roof into that pile of sand and so i was up there doing that and my brother and you know all of us all of us boys were doing that and the right the right boys decided to do that with us and they had one little boy who was about six years old and i can't remember his name because uh, it's been a while since i was 10 years old so just cut me some slack but, um, but I remember this one little boy who was about six years old, and he climbed up that ladder, and we, we were worried about him jumping off of there because he was just too little to be doing that. But he wanted to do what the big kids were doing. You know how that works. So when he jumped off, he jumped off in a little different spot than the rest of us, and there was a cement block that was buried in that sand that none of us had hit. But when he jumped off of there, he hit it on his arm and it actually broke his arm not just broke it but the bone stuck out it was bleeding terribly and it broke his his arm in half and the bone was actually sticking up out of the skin you could visibly see the break and of course all the kids we just started panicking and of course we that we ran and got the adults and they had just gotten out of a prayer meeting. I think this was one of those summer Sunday nights when it was still daylight outside. And they had just gotten out of church and some of the old saints, and if you've ever been around the old saints, they don't play around. I mean, these guys were serious about everything. Some of these old saints, before they, you know, there was no, I don't even know if 911 had been invented yet. You know, there were no cell phones back then, so I'm telling on myself. We still had black and white TV back then, too, so so I'm talking the good old days here. You think those are the good old days? I'd rather have these than those. I'll just put it there. But these old saints, man, there was no way to call the ambulance. You just put somebody in your car and take them to a hospital, and there was no hospital near near Dallas, Georgia in those days. It was a long ways to them. So the saints were worried about this little boy losing his arm and losing too much blood and they gathered around and began to pray and they were praying in the Holy Ghost and they began to pray and I mean, when the old saints pray, I mean, they get loud, they get fervent, they were shaking their head. I mean, really, they used to say something that I never really understood. There was a song about it. Anybody ever heard anybody say ringing the prayer bells of heaven remember that old song prayer bells of heaven oh how sweetly they ring so that's what the saints were saying we got to ring the prayer bells of heaven i guess it was the alarm they were talking about and they started praying and they gathered around our little friend and all those kids who were crying and we didn't, know what, we didn't know what was gonna happen to him, and we could hear that little boy screaming because he was in such pain. And all of a sudden, those saints started shouting, and they started shouting around him, and before we knew it, they kind of separated, kind of like the Red Sea. And I saw that little boy, our little friend, he walked out of there, and his bones had been fused back together, and the skin was even fused back together. It was not bleeding. It was perfect, there was no scar. When that little boy walked out of there, his, his broken arm looked exactly like his other arm. And I wanna tell you something, you can doubt God all you want and point fingers and say that religious crowd, there is something about being filled with the Holy Ghost and knowing God in a time of crisis. And I want to tell you the church is far from perfect but don't you let the mistakes the church has made keep you from the God who's not making those mistakes. Don't you let one, one don't you let one sorry preacher Be the representative of Jesus Christ. Don't lose your faith in Jesus because you lost your faith in somebody else. And don't lose your faith in the church because one church failed you. There is a remnant left that has not bowed their knee to Baal that still believes in the power of God. Put your faith in the Lord. See, we made mistakes when we made superstars out of preachers and celebrities out of preachers, and we put our faith in them. That was our mistake. There is only one king, and his name is Jesus, and there are no other kings. His name is Jesus, and we have to put our faith in the Lord and put our hope in the Lord. When you see things like that, it, it, it shatters you, it, it, it breaks something inside of you that can never be fixed, and you are hungry and thirsty, because I want to tell you, I was also raised in the strictest church there was. I mean, it was one of those legalistic churches where everything was a sin, and I didn't even like that church, to be honest with you. I'll go a step further. I hated the church. I didn't like the people, they were mean, I didn't like all the things they did, but there was enough of those old prayer warriors that could get a miracle through that I didn't care how mean the other crowd was. I kept believing in the prayers of those old saints who were close to God. See, you can't lose sight because of a few knotheads out there that's gonna mess you up. You can't lose sight of what God really is. I was in a prayer meeting in a congregational holiness camp meeting. Anybody ever heard of the congregational holiness? Well, two of you have. Well, well, there were the congregational holiness were having a camp meeting. And I was there and I remember this. I saw this happen with my own eyes. They had called for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and everybody was in this old camp meeting. Up in the altars, and the saints are praying around them. And it had gone for a while, and it looked like that you know, everyone was gonna to have to get up and leave without receiving the baptism. And there was a man that walked in the building. He had on a white suit, kind of a Colonel Sanders-like suit, or Benny Hinn kind of suit, you know. But it wasn't either one of those, I can tell you. But uh, this guy had on a white suit. He had on a white pants. He had on a white sh- uh, white coat. He even had on a white tie. I don't know. I don't remember his shoes. But I was a kid, and I was sitting up there on the platform because I'd sing in the choir that night. And I was just sitting there because I, you know, I was the spectator, to be honest with you, in some of those places. I know you shouldn't be, but some of it was. Just just really entertaining and I was happy to you know see what God was going to do next and so I was just up there watching and I saw this everybody saw it this man walked in from the side of the tabernacle and he never said a word he never touched anybody he never laid hands on anybody all he did was walk from one end to the tabernacle to the other end of the tabernacle and everybody he walked by got filled with the holy ghost every single person now those that left early got left out but everybody that was still in that altar, every person that was there, there was a lot of them there, probably 80, 90 people still in that altar, and that man, I, I know now it wasn't a man, I know it was an angel that made an appearance of a man, but that man just walked by, and every single person got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I saw that as a kid, and I want to tell you something, guys, as a young person, as a teenager, I was one of those rare kids that was always jumping around the altar altar getting slain in the Holy Ghost I wanted as much of God as I could get I didn't have it all figured out and some of it I even thought was fake but I didn't let that bother me you can't let those things bother you or you need to set that aside chew up the meat and spit out the bones because there is a real God who does real miracles and real things in the kingdom of God And it's things like that that just mess me up so much that I can never be the same. I was preaching in South Carolina last night, and one of the pastors came up to me because I I talked about, you know, everywhere I go, I have to talk about this revival that is not just coming, but as Nick told us, it's already here. It's just, it hasn't hit everywhere yet, but revival is already upon us. I mean, Perry just preached on the lens of a camera just last week, and 14,000 souls got saved in that one crusade. Can you give God praise for that? 14,000 souls, guys, that's revival, that's revival. And that was through the lens of a camera revival that he preaches in other countries around the world. He preaches it, He was preaching at VOE studio, but there in that country, all of those people came to the Lord and got saved. So God is moving right now. You don't have to wait on God to move. God is moving right now. And so I was talking about this. I'm believing for a signs and wonders revival. I'm believing for the glory of God to sweep this planet. I believe what Habakkuk said, that the knowledge of the glory Glory of God is gonna cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I preach about it everywhere I go because I believe that God's coming for a generation that has grown up without God. They've grown up in schools without God. They've grown up in a country that has denied God. But I'm telling you, none of that's gonna matter when the Holy Ghost and fire shows up. None of that's gonna matter when the glory of God comes down and they see things they can't explain. And that's what I'm waiting on. So I was talking about that a little bit in my sermon last night, and there was a pastor that came up to me, and he told me I could share his story. His name is Chad Smith. He pastors there in South Carolina. And Chad and his wife had a child that was born with a heart disease where only it had half of a heart and the child did not live. And so they were terrified that they would have another child born that way. And so his wife was pregnant again and there was a, a woman in the church that came up to them and she said, "The ho- I've been in prayer all day long for you and the Holy Ghost told me to pray over this unborn baby that's in your womb. And this lady prayed and she said, God said it's a boy and he will live live. And they had no idea what she was talking about. They didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. They were going the next day to find out. They didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And they did not understand why she kept saying, he will live, he will live, he will live. And she said, this will be a miracle child testimony for the glory of God. And this lady is praying this prayer over them. And it kind of scared them a little bit. So when she went to the doctor the next day, the doctor confirmed that it was a boy. And when they heard that it was a boy, his wife is a nurse, she said, I want you to look at my baby's heart forget everything else look at my baby's heart and tell me does this baby have the same disease as the baby we lost and the doctor looked at the heart and he and he bowed his head he said I'm sorry but he does this baby has the same disease this baby will not this baby will be born deformed only has half a heart he will probably his lungs will not be developed he will not live long his liver will not be developed and scared this couple to death the only thing they had to hold on to was that woman that God sent to them to pray over this baby and the baby was born and only with half of a heart this little baby was born the doctor said this baby will never walk. This baby will never be normal. This baby will probably never talk. He will live as a vegetable the rest of his life. This little boy, he showed me pictures of him. He showed me running and playing baseball. showed me a picture of him running and playing baseball. He showed me pictures of him playing with his family. This little boy is about to turn six years old. He still has half a heart, but because God said, that's enough, I'll do the rest. That pastor said, I'm looking at a miracle every day. I I wake up and I witness a miracle every day because his heart is defying all of science. The medical field does not even know what to think about it. They said he's the first person ever with that condition to live like this and to be able to be normal like this. They've never seen it before, but because we know the maker of the wind and we know the maker maker. of the rain and we know the maker of the heart. All things are possible to them that believe. Don't you let anybody tell you that the days of miracle are over when you just heard about a thousand people being baptized in the last eight weeks and a minister preaching in high schools and Marshall University and having altar calls in places like that. Don't you let anybody tell you the days of miracle. You wait till you get your increase. It's going to change your mind about what God can do when that happens in your life. It's going to change your mind when you see what God can do. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at PO Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. There are there are words that describe signs and wonders in the Bible, in the Greek and also in the Hebrew. So I want you to know what these words mean. So this is the word in the Greek, and that word in the Greek, if you want to say it in Greek, you can say semion or semayon. Some people would call it that way. It literally means a supernatural miracle. So understand this. If you get a healing, sometimes it's gradual. So God begins to heal your body. So your leg is hurting, and it starts getting better every day. You just received a healing. If somebody prays for you, and miraculously it's gone you got a miracle so i don't know if philip is here tonight there he is over there on the camera so wave at him philip see this guy over here on the camera two weeks ago he didn't get a healing he got a miracle he's been under a doctor's care with a terrible back injury I had a guest speaker at ISO, Adam Bauer, who came to church that night. He was teaching over at ISO, and the Holy Spirit told Adam, who has the gift of faith and the gift of healing. As a matter of fact, he prayed for a lot of people at ISO who got healed just during that conference, that teaching conference, but he goes to Philip, and the Holy Spirit told him to go over there and pray for him, not even knowing that Philip was suffering from this injury, and Philip texts me today, and he said, Dr. B., I just wanted you to know this, that when Adam Bauer prayed for me, my back was totally healed and he got a doctor's confirmation today that his back has been healed it's been totally restored don't quit believing that God can heal because what the word sign means is something supernatural just happened something that overrides the, the the laws of nature and so if you look at the word in Hebrew it's an easy word to say in Hebrew because it sounds like our word oath so it's in Hebrew, it's the word oath, which means a visible evidence of a miracle, which means I just saw something that I can't explain. I am ready for God to show you something you can't explain. I'm ready for God to show you something that there's not enough logic in the world to explain it away in your mind. You will have only one answer. God did it. I don't doubt it. I saw it and God did it and there's no other explanation for it. So that's what signs and wonders are about. So the word wonder is easy to say. It's like mo faith, right? So I got mo faith. So the word wonder in Hebrew, the word mo faith, literally means an unexplainable evidence so I just have evidence that I can't explain. So here's how I describe signs and wonders because Mo Faith means you ask the question, how did that happen? There's no explanation, how did that happen? Did any of you ever, has anybody ever gotten a check in the mail and you just ask yourself, how did that happen? I mean, I don't know this person. They just sent you a gift. Have you ever had a stranger come up and give you a gift and you didn't know who they were? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where God just blesses you, uncommonly blesses you or heals you or gives you a visible demonstration of his glory because God loves to show up in tangible glory, not just the light and not just the, I think I saw something. God loves to show up in tangible glory. So I'm gonna show you how easy it is for you to see signs and wonders I'm gonna break this down in such a way that I hope that everybody in this room begins to recognize the presence of God all around you so here's how I explain signs and wonders it's a sign that makes you wonder it's a sign that you saw and you saw God do something so miraculous that you're scratching your head thinking how did that happen it's a sign that makes you wonder So the first thing I want to do before I go into the various kinds of signs and wonders is I want to talk to you about the purpose of signs and wonders. Because God is not in the entertaining business, however you know that. Jesus did signs and wonders so that the crowds would come and hear the gospel. And then Jesus told one crowd, he said, you only came for the food. You didn't come for the gospel. You came for the food and the miracles. You just, you know, I I can't give you what you want because you're not participating. You're not entering in. You're not receiving the word. He said, I did this so that 5,000 people would come. 5,000 people ate a miracle fish and a miracle biscuit or whatever it was, loaves and fishes. 5,000 people had a miracle in their hand, and at the end from those loaves and fishes, the the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls, so they had 12 basketfuls of miracle, and they got on a boat, and a storm hit, and they lost all their faith. They were sitting there on a boat with a basketful of miracles between their legs, right? They were sitting there holding on to a basket full of fish, loaves and fishes, 12 of them, 12, one for each of them, not 13, not 14. God gave each of them miracles to take home. They get on a boat, the first storm that came, and they doubted everything. They said, Lord, we're about to die. And Jesus got up and he said, oh, you think the loaves and fishes were something? Then he said, oh, you have little faith. So, don't think just because you see a miracle that you're gonna have great faith. It doesn't always happen that way. God is not in the entertaining business, though. He does miracles for a reason, there's a purpose for those. And so Jesus got up and he said, Listen, let me show you what you can't have if you, if you do believe. And he just looked at the storm and said, Peace be still. And it was like glass around his feet. And then the disciples looked at each other and said, Man, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey his word so why does God choose to give us signs and wonders I'm gonna give you three reasons there's more but I'm gonna give you just these three the ultimate purpose when God did signs and wonders in the ministry of when Jesus did signs and wonders it was to draw the crowds and lead them to salvation When God did signs and wonders in the wilderness for the children of Israel, it was to lead them out of bondage, out of a life of slavery into a life of freedom. So the very first reason and I think the most important reason that we see signs and wonders is so that unbelievers will believe. So the first reason that we see signs and wonders is God wants people to get saved. And how many of you know that if signs and wonders start happening in this building, we have to bring out every chair that we have, we have to pull out the bleachers, and we will not be able to get people. If miracles start happening here, if people start getting healed, blinded eyes, start getting getting open, deaf ears, unstopped, how many of you know you don't have to invite anybody to church after that? They're all gonna come for the miracles. So God does that in houses of great faith because he knows that people will come and get saved and it's not so they can come and just enjoy it or be entertained it's so that the unbelievers can believe you know that's the real miracle of speaking in tongues the bible says that speaking in tongues was so that unbelievers would believe not because they heard a tongue but because they heard a tongue that they recognize on the day of pentecost they had 3,000 souls saved because every one of them heard Galileans speaking in their known language, and they knew that was impossible, and when they heard them speaking in their known language, all of them converted, because, or 3,000 of them converted because they saw that miracle of speaking in tongues. Mark chapter 16 says that signs are given to confirm the word. So some people have a hard time believing the Bible, but when you see signs and wonders, it calls you. How many of you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? So just reading the word of God will build your faith, but what if you read the word of God and you still don't believe the Bible? So God gives you signs and wonders to prove the word so that now when you read, now when you believe that Jonah got swallowed by a whale, you don't doubt it. You really believe it. How many of you still believe that? Do you know that in some, in some churches, they're believe, they're teaching that's just a metaphor. It never happened. There was no real fiery furnace and Mary wasn't a real virgin. Can you believe that anybody could call them, that's called higher criticism, by the way. And if you ever hear anybody talk about higher criticism, that's where it's taken you into liberal theology. Run as fast as you can run away from ideas like that there's no truth in it and if that's a, if that's the only college you can go to then don't go to college or go to another college but don't fill your head with that not when ISO is right down the street teaching you the word of God and by the way now we can transfer all of your ISO courses into college credit so because we can do that now Go to a college that will give you the real word of God and believe the word of God for you. All right, so here's the third reason. So the first one is, to, is, is so that people, unbelievers will believe and come to Christ. Secondly is so that the word of God can be confirmed. And the third one is that you need a witness and God gives you, so this is one of the things the Lord told me about the people that would show up tonight to hear this message. Some of you need a sign. Some of you are waiting on a sign. Some of you are afraid to make a decision unless you get a sign. Some of you need a sign. So hopefully you're here tonight to understand how to do that, and maybe some of you, I believe that some of you are gonna get that even before you leave this this room tonight. So the third reason is that a sign is a witness. It shows you that God just gave you a yes. It's a confirmation that God is gonna show that God is is leading you. And I'm gonna tell some stories about how God has given me signs at very critical times of my life. So I I wanna just see if if I'm in the right place preaching the right sermon tonight. Is there anybody in this room, because this is what the Lord told me, the Lord told me there'd be people in this room tonight who need a sign. You're making a decision right now and you just need a sign from God before you're comfortable going forward. I want you to just raise your hand. Show me where you are. Show me where you are. Okay, there's All right, there's more than that. Listen, there's a lot more than that. You're just needing God to confirm something in your life. You're making a decision right now and you need God to confirm that in your life. All right, so we're gonna pray for you later and I believe God's gonna give you a sign tonight all right so let's look before we get into how signs and wonders work let me show you how god birthed the early church listen to this this is just the book of acts all right no other book just the book of acts this is how prevalent how important and how common signs and wonders were in acts chapter one jesus ascended into heaven somebody say that's a sign Jesus ascended in a cloud, That's, if you were there, that was a definite sign and wonder. All right, so Jesus ascends into heaven. in heaven. On Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. They heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. How many of you like to hear the sound of wind in this house tonight? My wife was with me when this happened. I was preaching in Ohio at the Church of God camp meeting in Ohio and that happened. I was preaching in the middle of that. I was preaching in the middle of that sermon, and uh, I can't remember now what I was talking about. I was talking about praise or something like that, and all of a sudden, it sounded like a freight train came into that room and came right through that room. People began to get healed. There was a guy that was standing behind us who was uh, singing. This guy had been crippled in his leg for years. His leg was stiff. As a matter of fact, the operation he had, he could not bend his leg his leg, and he was there at at Potter's House. Jeff, you know exactly where that's at. This was a guy that sang there. And this guy, everyone knew this guy because for 10 years he had had an operation and he had to walk with a stiff leg because his leg would not bend. He had to sleep that way. Everything he did was with that leg. When that wind came into the house that night in in Ohio, you could hear that when people started getting healed. There was a pastor's wife watching online who had been bedridden for week she jumped up out of the bed and began to run around the house there she was watching online I believe that can happen tonight too where the people are watching this guy all of a sudden they they ran up there to sing and this guy was doing like this because this wind was blowing all of a sudden he bent to his knee and fell to the ground I didn't know what happened but that church went bonkers everybody on that praise team started shouting and falling out I mean I'm thinking who's to sing, they're all laying on the floor. I don't even know who's gonna sing. The musicians are falling out. Now, let me tell you something when a musician falls out, that's God. When they let go of that instrument and fall out, I mean, these guys, I mean, when they let go of the guitar and they fall out, you know, God is in the house. Then I'm just teasing these guys, but that, but it started happening. The piano player, everybody starts reacting. None of us knew. All of a sudden, this guy grabbed the microphone. This wind had just finished blowing. People have been healed. I mean, it wasn't what I was saying. It was just the faith of God had come into that house. This guy grabbed the microphone and told his story. And everyone had witnessed, even on film, they had witnessed that God healed him in front of them. And listen, I didn't get to finish that sermon. You can just guess what happened after that. We needed red lights in that place when God broke out. I mean, it was amazing what God did in the rest of that service. I feel sorry for anybody who's never seen God move like that. It gets in you. It makes you want more. And it's not something you work up. It's not something you sing down. It's something that happens when there's great faith, and there's great worship. That's why worship is such a big deal. That's why worship is such a reverent thing, because God inhabits worship. God inhabits the praises of His people. That's why we all collectively and unified come together. It's one of the most sacred things that happens at the host service, is when we're worshiping, because that's when God settles. That's when the glory comes down, and that's what happened in that room. Okay, I'm just on Acts chapter 2. i got to keep going. I haven't even started on the, everything I want to tell you. The lame man got healed in, at the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. They stretched out their hands and healed the sick in, in Acts chapter 4. and Acts 5, the disciples gathered at Solomon's portion they brought the sick to them. Signs and miracles, the Bible says, were happening. Acts chapter 6, a deacon was performing miracles. Now, I'll tell you, that's God. Especially if he was a Baptist deacon and did a miracle, that's really God there. But a deacon by the name of Stephen was performing miracles. And then Acts chapter 8 Philip does miracles in Samaria, and the witches and warlocks convert. How many of you want to see a revival like that, where the witches start burning their books and burning their spells? They begin to burn things and convert to God in Acts chapter 8. And then in, in Acts chapter 8, also, Philip is baptizing an a, a Ethiopian ambassador, a eunuch from Ethiopia, who serves the queen there, and he's baptizing her, uh, Queen Cassandra, I think was her name, and he's baptizing him. And when he comes up out of the water, he disappears, and he shows up 30 miles away in another city to preach and baptize all over again. How many of you know that's a sign and a wonder when God trends? I wish God would give me that gift. I'm tired of air travel. I wish the Lord, y'all pray that gift, that Philip gift on me so I can just be in South Carolina. I have I've flown four times in the last 24 hours, and I get tired of things like that, so so you pray that in. All right. Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus is converted. He gets knocked down to the ground by a great light and Paul Saul becomes the apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 10, Peter sees a sheet come down in a vision and he sees animals on the sheet and the Lord tells him to eat it and he sends him to the house of Cornelius and the Italians get the Holy Ghost and now all the Gentiles are filled with the Holy Spirit. Since Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, Paul and Barnabas are preaching with signs and wonders. Acts chapter 12, Peter is freed from prison by an angel. I know someone's claiming that one tonight. Acts chapter 13, Peter, uh, Paul preaches and the warlocks oppose him, but their sorcery has no power on them. How do you know, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you don't, have to war, you don't have to worry about somebody shaking bones over your head and sticking a pen and a doll with your name on it. You don't have to worry about that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're declaring God's power and presence over your life. In Acts chapter 14, a crippled man from birth was healed. Acts chapter 15, revival breaks out in Syria. Souls are saved, people are healed. Paul's in prison in Philippi, and the jailhouse begins to shake. All the prisoners get set free, and the church of Philippians was born. Acts 16, Acts 17. Peter preaches in Greece, or Paul preaches in Greece at the Areopagus, and the philosophers in Greek, uh, those who are, who are the Greek philosophers and the religious leaders of Greek, they heard the gospel, they got overwhelmed, the place was shaken, and they converted as well. So now Paul is winning people in Syria, he's winning people in Greece, he's winning the Italians. I mean, there's a mighty move of God breaking out. Acts chapter 19, listen to what it says. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought... From from his body to heal the sick, and the disease were left, and, and the diseases left him and evil spirits were cast out of them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? an anointed cloth, just his apron. Now, Paul was a tent maker, so this was a dirty apron. It wasn't a nice, he wasn't in the kitchen. Paul was a tent maker, and they would take his old, greasy apron and cut it up and just give strips of that old, dirty apron to people, but because the apostle Paul wore it in the ministry, the anointing was on it, and evil spirits were leaving when that apron touched them. Anybody want to see a move of God like that? Acts chapter 20, a man goes to sleep when Paul is preaching. I promise that's not going to happen tonight. Nobody's going to fall out of a window, I hope. Paul is preaching. His sermon goes three hours. A man falls three stories out of a window and dies, and the apostle Paul goes over and resurrects him from the dead. Acts 21, the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and gives him a direction. Acts chapter 22, Paul Paul teaches about miracles and begins to reiterate the miracles he's seen. Acts chapter 23, an angel stands by Paul and gives him encouragement for his life. Acts chapter 24, a door opens for Paul to preach to the governor. Acts chapter 25 to 26, another door opens for Paul to preach to King Agrippa. Acts chapter 27, Paul is sailing to Rome the ship runs, uh, runs up in in a bad storm, runs up on a rock. The whole ship turns over. Everybody's about to die, and an angel shows up and says, Paul, nobody's gonna die. I'm gonna save everybody's life. And Paul said, don't worry, men. The angel said, they're thinking, I hope he would tell me that. The angel just told me nobody's gonna die. And guess what? Nobody died. God spared every one of them. Acts 28, he is making a fire. He gets bit by a poisonous snake. He shakes off the snake and it causes a whole whole island to come to Jesus Christ because they saw the great power of God on his life. Acts 29. You say there is no Acts 29. Oh yes there is. It's you. Because Acts is the Acts of the church and Acts 29 means that we are still writing the book of Acts right now. How many know that God is still acting and the church is still moving and the book of Acts the Acts of the church have not stop so signs and wonders what do they look like well sometimes they come in the form of fire god shows up at a burning bush sometimes smoke the holy of holies sometimes a stick which parted the red sea sometimes roosters are god's god's uh, preachers as they preach to peter a rock uh, gave water in the wilderness a mule began to speak Now, if that happens on your farm, I promise you you're going to fall to your knees. If you let that mule start telling you, why are you, did you know what the mule said? Why are you beating me like this? God said, I'm going to let this mule talk to you because he was hitting the mule, and God gave the mule a voice, and he turned around to the old Balaam, the prophet, and said, why are you beating me? Hadn't I been carrying you around all day long? Now, when your horse tells you that, you know you've got a Holy Ghost horse. There you go. A fish paid taxes. A worm convicted Jonah the prophet. A whale swallowed him and took him to another place. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house, and pottery was the sign and wonder to God. God can use the weather. God can use clouds. God can use people. I'm just telling you things that were in the Bible. Clay pots, children, road signs, water, dogs, Uh, when God gives you a sign in one of your dog, now you know that's a keeper. You better keep that one. Water, wells, bones, sounds, and numbers. Anybody ever got a sign from God from numbers? Anybody see the same number over and over and over? I tell you, after 9-11, I started seeing 9-11, and I I, I was so nervous about this, I scared my family with it. I said, listen, everywhere I go, it wasn't like one time a day, like five, six times a day, I would see 9-11, everywhere I'd go, and it was in the oddest places. I'd open up a book, and there'd be a 9-11 right there. I'd open up a magazine, it'd be right there. Everywhere I looked, it was 9-11, and it scared me, because I thought that it was a warning, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what does this 9-11 mean? And he said, pray and fast, and I'll give it to you. So I prayed and I fast, and the Lord just told me so sweetly one morning. He said, 9-11 is Psalms 91-1, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the Almighty. He said, you don't have to fear anything that comes on the land. You just need to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.